Amen. You may be seated. I've told you about this before, and maybe some of you haven't heard it and might identify with Renee and me. While we were living in Knoxville just after seminary, our house was broken into. We returned home and found that, that a breach of our security had taken place. In other words, our door had been jimmied and knocked in. And the thief or the thieves showed total disrespect for us. They disrespected us by taking our stuff for their own gain. And of course, if you've ever experienced a robbery in your home, you feel violated. You feel as though uh, your home is somewhat dirty and tainted. It's been dishonored. Well, a question we might ask today is that, is it possible for us to do the same type of thing to God? That is, we disrespect what is His by taking it and using it in a way that does not bring honor to His name. And this really is what we'll be talking about today. How do God's people, or how can God's people, disrespect His things and His people and bring Him dishonor, or bring upon Him dishonor? We also want to look at a second question. Is there a way for amends to be made? And our text today answers both of these uh, questions. We're on a journey through the book of Leviticus, and today we're at the very last of the major offerings. It is the offering of, it's called the reparation offering. Your Bible may say guilt offering, at least that's what the ESV says. And so we'll look at this offering as a way for restitution to be made for a wrong that had been committed, but also for God to be compensated for his people bringing dishonor upon him. So take your Bibles and turn to Leviticus chapter 5, and we'll read verse 14 all the way through verse 7 of chapter 6. Leviticus five fourteen through Leviticus 6, verse 7. This is God's word for God's people. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, if anyone commits a breach of faith and Sins unintentionally in any of the holy things of the Lord, he shall bring to the Lord as his compensation a ram without blemish out of the flock, valued in silver shekels, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, for a guilt offering. He shall also make restitution for what he has done amiss in the holy thing, and shall add a fifth to it and give it to the priest. And the priest shall make atonement for him with the ram of the guilt offering, and he shall be forgiven. If anyone sins doing any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done, though he did not know it, then realizes he's, his guilt, he shall bear his iniquity. He shall bring to the priest a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent, for a guilt offering, and the priest shall make atonement for him for the mistake that he made unintentionally, and he shall be forgiven. It is a guilt offering. He has indeed incurred guilt before the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, If anyone sins and commits a breach of faith against the Lord by deceiving his neighbor, 
in a matter of deposit or security or through robbery or if he has oppressed his neighbor or has found something lost and lied about it, swearing falsely in any of all the things that the people do and sin thereby, if he has sinned and has realized his guilt and will restore what he took by robbery or what he got by oppression or the deposit that was committed to him or the lost thing that he found or anything about which he has sworn falsely, he shall restore it in full and shall add a fifth to it and give it to him whom it belongs on the day he realizes his guilt. And he shall bring to the priest as his compensation to the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flock or its equivalent for a guilt offering. And the priest shall make atonement for him before the Lord, and he shall be forgiven for any of the things that one may do and thereby become guilty. The word of the Lord is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. It is perfect reviving the soul, and may this portion of God's Word and the other portions that we read in the next few moments revive our souls today. Please join me in prayer. Father, as we come now to this passage of Scripture that seems to be somewhat confusing to us, as has often been the case with many of these offerings. We pray, O Lord, that you might be pleased to to shine the light of your grace upon us, that we would come to see what you would have for us in this portion of Scripture today. Father, we all can think of areas in our lives that would be classified as a breach of faith, areas where we disrespect what is yours, and thus bring dishonor upon your name. Cause us to be reminded of these things, but cause us also to see that there is a way of repair the Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Well, let's look first at the breach, then we'll look at the offering, and then finally we'll look at the repair A breach took place last Friday. It took place just outside of Wilmington. There, a large reservoir, Lake Sutton, because of the effects of Hurricane Florence and filled up with water, and the dam that contained that large body of water broke there near the Duke Power Plant and just added to the misery of that region. The Carolinas have suffered so because of floods. And now this this reservoir, this large body of water, its dam breached and flooded what lay downstream even more. And so when we speak about a breach, a story like this terrible situation there just outside of Wilmington helps us understand a bit more what a breach is, a, a break. But it can also help us understand really what this breach is in our passage today, this breach of faith, this break, this this unfaithfulness that has taken place between God and His people and between God's people. And so the text tells us that there are two breaches of faith. They're both cited, one in verse 
15 and the other in chapter 6 and verse 2. One is a breach of faith against the holy things of the Lord. In other words, a breach of faith against God's property. And the second is a breach of faith against God by defrauding or uh, by deceiving one's neighbor. And that would be in chapter 6 and verse 2. And so how do we understand this term, a breach of faith? A breach of faith is to be understood in terms of God's covenant. It is a breach of covenant loyalty. For example, just simply an act of unfaithfulness. And 1 Chronicles and chapter 5 and verse 25 helps us understand a bit more what a breach of faith, what, what unfaithfulness to the covenant looked like oftentimes in Israel's day, the Old Testament day. First Chronicles chapter 5, verse 25. But they, that is the people of God, broke faith with God, the God of their fathers, and whored after the gods of the peoples of the land whom God had destroyed before them. The people breaking faith with God and his covenant by turning from him and worshiping pagan gods. One of the great Old Testament scholars, Gordon Wenham, gives other examples of what might be a breach of faith in the Old Testament. Adultery, Numbers chapter 5. The Israelites marrying foreigners, we see that in Ezra 10. Remember Achan's sin where he stole the dedicated things in Joshua 7? And then there's Uzziah's sin when he sought to offer incense in the temple in an unauthorized fashion in 2 Chronicles 26. A breach of faith shows disrespect for the things of God, for the people of God, and brings dishonor on his name. Well, let's look for a moment at these holy things that we see in chapter 5 and verse 14. And primarily, these holy things in this particular context were an Israelite inadvertently using something that was, that was dedicated to the priest. And so we might, uh, could imagine that holy food was set apart for the priest only. Or maybe it was fulfill, fulfilling a vow and, and failing to do so, or failing to give the tithe. Taking something that belonged to God, that was dedicated to God or dedicated to God's servants, the priest, and using it in an ordinary way and so showing disrespect and bringing dishonor upon God's name. So we can have a break of faith in holy things, God's possessions. We can also have a break of faith in violating our responsibilities to one another as the people of God. In chapter 6, verse 1, the Israelites could act unfaithfully by deceiving a neighbor and then swearing falsely or lying about it. So we see the sins listed there are stealing from a fellow Israelite, uh, robbery, extortion, oppression, that is, failing to return something that had been 
been kept for safekeeping for another, or maybe an Israelite found something that was lost and knew who it belonged to and did not return it to the owner. These were all under the category of deceiving a neighbor and thereby breaking faith with your neighbor. But really, it's also, more importantly, breaking faith with God because the greater sin is the fact that the individual when confronted, would try to hide his guilt by swearing falsely, saying, I didn't take that. And that was a direct sin against God. And so, breaking faith by deceiving your neighbor and swearing uh, falsely violates the Eighth Commandment against stealing, uh, the Ninth Commandment against bearing false witness, the Tenth Commandment about covening, And chiefly, and more importantly, it violates the third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And what we need to see in in both of these categories of breaking faith, holy things and holy people, both are ultimately sins against the Lord himself, that you break faith against the Lord by disrespecting His holy things. You break faith against the Lord by disrespecting and deceiving your neighbor, your fellow Israelite. Breaking faith, showing disrespect for God's holy things and God's holy people, and thereby dishonoring His name, and God demands compensation. You get it? Just like if I walked out there and stole your money, you would demand compensation. The offering, the second thing that I want us to think about today. You know, in the ancient world, as covenants were established, when there was a breach of faith, that is to say, one of the parties did not uphold his part of the covenant, there was unfaithfulness, the guilty individual would acknowledge his wrongdoing and he would compensate the offended party. And he would compensate the offended party by paying a ransom, a ransom payment, in order to repair the breach Just like one day I hope that dam in Wilmington is going to be repaired because of the breach. So this ransom payment repairs this breach of faith here in Leviticus. And so in Leviticus chapter 5 verses 14 through 16, when an Israelite sinned unintentionally and he realized that he was guilty of a breach of faith against the Lord in reference to the Lord's holy things, then he was to make restitution for that wrong, and he was also to bring a ransom payment, an offering that would compensate God. And if you look down in verse 16, you really do, that one verse kind of gives the order of verses 14 and 15. 
So let's look at that order. First, the offender realizes his guilt and he says, oh my goodness, I have committed a breach of faith and I need to make it right. And so the offender then was first and foremost to make restitution to the priest. And what that means is this. So for example, remember the fellowship offering a couple of Sundays ago? That the fellowship offering meant that God had a part of the food, the fat, and the priest had a part of the food, the, of the animal, the, the sacrificial animal, the breast and the right thigh, and then the offerer would take the rest. And so they shared this meal together. But what if the offerer by mistake actually took the breast that belonged to the priest? And he gets home, and there he's laying out all of his meat to put it on his um, grill. I think they had eggs back in the day where he was cook his meat on this egg. And he realized that he had, whoa, he had taken what belonged to the priest, what God said was dedicated as holy to the priest. And what was he to do? He was to make restitution. He was to take that breast and return it to the priest and add a penalty of a fifth or 20%. So he was actually to return to the priest 120% and thereby make restitution. Now, if you think 120% or 20% is a stiff penalty, if someone, for example, in the Old Testament stole something and they were caught before they confessed it, the penalty could be anywhere between 200 and 500%. So 20% doesn't sound all that bad, does it? But nonetheless, there was a penalty associated with this. And then the offender was to go and to present to the priest an atoning sacrifice, a ram that was unblemished. And he was, take it, he was to take it to the exact same place where one would take the burnt offering. There, before the entrance to the tent of meeting, just north of the altar of burnt offerings. And this particular ram just could not be any old ram. It had to be of a, of a very specific value. And the value was judged according to the going rate of the sanctuary shekel. You see that in verse 15. And traditionally, Judaism understood that the value of the ram should be two shekels according to the going rate of the sanctuary shekel at any given time. Others believe that this provision actually was, in case of an individual could not provide a ram, they could provide the equivalent value of that ram in silver that they would give to the priest. If, you, if we were to look at chapter 7, verses 1 through 7, we would see the procedure described for making this offering very familiar in light of the other sacrifices we've talked about. The ram would be brought, it would be slaughtered, the blood would be collected, thrown against the altar, the fat would be removed, burned, that's God's food, that's God's portion, and, the, and all of the meat would be given to the priest and he would have to eat it there in that holy place. And even though Leviticus chapter 7 doesn't specify the laying on of hands, that's implied that the offerer would come and lay hands on that animal, thus identifying the animal with him so it would be accepted on his behalf. And in so doing, verse 16, the priest made atonement for him, the offender, 
and he shall be forgiven, verse 16b. And so that's the reparation offering, but there's a special case. There's a third part to this passage of Scripture. We find it in verses 17 through 19. And this special case goes something like this. <laughs> I don't have, do you ever feel guilty about something, but you don't know what the something is? You know, some of us have overactive consciences, and I guess that's, that's a good thing. Well, in this special case, there would be this Israelite who was thinking, man, I feel guilty about something. Uh, maybe he was suffering the consequences of, and he thought, well, maybe it's, it's the consequences of some sin that I committed, but I have no idea what actual sin I've committed, but I'm sure I've done something wrong. <laughs> I feel guilty. And so he would then take a ram, as we just talked about, and take it as a reparation offering to compensate God, an atoning sacrifice where God would be compensated and he would be forgiven. But note, in verses 17 through 19, there's no restitution that is to be made because, because there's no sin to base it on. There's no actual specific sin to base it on. And then we get to the third part of this passage, verses 1 through 7. Here the Israelite commits a breach of faith by swearing falsely. And when he realizes it, uh, he was to follow the same pattern that was laid out in verses 14 through 16. He was to make rest, restitution, uh, return what he had stolen or return what he had defrauded his neighbor out of and then add 20% to it, so at 120% rate. And then he was to bring this reparation offering, this ram to compensate God for the breach of faith as well as for atonement, for his sin, in order that he might be forgiven. The reparation offering and the restoration of 120% resulted in the relationship between the offender and God being repaired and the relationship between the offender and the offended Israelite being repaired. And these offerings operated to remind the Israelite of the importance of respecting what belongs to God, respecting God's things, and respecting God's people. But these offerings also reminded us when there was a breach of faith in either the holy things or deceiving one's neighbor, a breach of faith against a holy person, that is, one separated unto God, there is a way to repair the damage done, to rebuild the relationship between God and between Israelite and Israelite. And I would suggest to you that these offerings function in a similar way today to remind you and me to respect God's things, to remind you and me to respect God's people, and to remind you and me that when we commit a breach of faith in either of these, that there is the way of repair, the ultimate way of repair. 
and we come to that matter of repair in the third section of this passage or this sermon, the repair. Well, I told you about those, the, that thief or those thieves that broke into our home and stole our stuff, but like the disrespect they showed to us, aren't we guilty at times? of disrespecting what belongs to God and disrespecting God's people and thereby bringing dishonor upon his name. I want to give several examples here of how we might disrespect what belongs to God, either things or people. The first one's a little delicate, but it's in the scriptures and we'll talk about it. Our bodies belong to the Lord. And one way that we intentionally commit a breach of faith against our bodies is through acts of sexual immorality. And I say intentionally because unlike the Israelite in Leviticus that just accidentally took the breast (laughs) and then discovered it. We just simply don't accidentally, unknowingly, haphazard. I mean, we intend to commit sexual immorality, don't we? 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20. And so I would ask you to turn there, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 15 through 20. I want to read this whole passage because it, it really sets the stage. This is what the Apostle Paul, speaking about the sexual immorality that is in the church in Corinth. This is just one place where he speaks about that sin in the church. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a prostitute? Never. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a prostitute becomes one body with her? For as it is written, the two will become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord becomes one spirit with him. Flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? whom you have from God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In other words, don't disrespect your body by committing a breach of faith of sexual immorality. Sexual lust, viewing pornography, adultery, any type of sexual immorality is breaking faith with the Lord by disrespecting what is His. And what is His are our bodies. God says, your body is mine. You disrespect it, you dishonor me, says the Lord. You dishonor, we dishonor the Lord's name. Another example has to do with our money. Our money belongs to God. Did you all know that? 
do our checkbooks. And I guess today we need to say do our iPhones or mobile phones with our online giving app reflect that our money belongs to the Lord. Malachi 3, 8, and 9. Will man rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you in your tithes and contributions? You are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. As I was preparing for this this week, I had to go back and recalculate what I'm giving to the church. Because I went, oh my goodness. Am I breaking faith with the Lord by disrespecting His money? We break faith when we take what belongs to the Lord and we disrespect it. We can disrespect His money and dishonor Him in our giving. But we're called to honor Him with our tithes and our offerings. And then one more, our neighbor, our fellow believers belong to God. And sinning against another believer is disrespecting what is the Lord's and bringing dishonor upon the Lord's name. Zacchaeus shows us what true repentance looks like, doesn't he? Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He had defrauded people time and time and time again. He had separated them from their money over and over again. And he became a wealthy man. Dan read the story of Luke 19 earlier. And yet Zacchaeus had an encounter with the Lord. And his life was changed profoundly. I might conjecture that Zacchaeus came to realize that he had broken faith with the God of Israel by disrespecting what was his, other people, and their money, and in so doing, dishonoring the Lord's name. And so what did Zacchaeus do? He acknowledged his sin, he acknowledged that he had defrauded his neighbor, and then secondly, he sought to make things right. He didn't just simply return what he had taken and add 20% to it. He gave half of what he had to the poor. And then he said, if I have defrauded anyone, I will give back fourfold to them. He went well beyond the 120% rate of restitution. I think that's true repentance. Acknowledging our sin confessing it, and then seeking to make things right as best we can. We break faith with our bodies, we break faith with our money, we break faith with others, and how can such breaches of faith be repaired? And there's only one answer, the sacrificial work of Christ. And as we look at the sacrificial work of Christ, it does both of what the reparation offering did in part in the Old Testament. 
Christ's sacrificial work does in full what that offering represented. By Christ dying on the cross and shedding his blood, by his atoning sacrifice, God is compensated. Atonement is made for God's people. Forgiveness is granted through the blood of Jesus. But Jesus' sacrifice also compensates God. It is that ransom price that satisfies God. And that ransom paid by Jesus is paid in full. So I have two application points for us today. Here's the first one. When you realize or when we realize that we have committed a breach of faith, either in disrespecting the things of God or the people of God, we need to acknowledge it. We need to own it. We need to confess it. We need to receive forgiveness over it. We need to rest and trust in the sacrificial work of Jesus Christ that atones for our sin, that compensates God and offers forgiveness to us. So that's the first thing that we need to do to see that that relationship between the sinner and God is repaired through the once-for-all work of Christ on the cross. And then secondly, we need to seek to make things right as much as possible. If you realize that you have defrauded your neighbor, return the amount to him. And maybe you do want to add a penalty to it of some percent. If you realize you are robbing God, then stop robbing God and begin respecting his money by honoring what he has told us to give back to him. If you are dishonoring God by disrespecting your body, then turn from that destructive behavior and turn to Jesus and ask him for the grace and the power to begin living a life that respects what is God, that honors his name, a life that honors God. Repent and believe and make things right as much as possible and thus respect the things of God and the people of God and bring honor to God's name. God demands compensation for a breach of faith and Christ has made that compensation in the ransom price that he paid with his own blood and his own body. We can stand before God and rest in the fact that Jesus repairs and rebuilds what we break and disrespect. And we can come again. Let me just say this. Maybe some of the examples that I've given about the tithe or about sexual morality or about defrauding another believer is something that you're struggling with right today. And you need to acknowledge it. I need to acknowledge it. We need to receive that forgiveness and we, we need to make things right as much as possible by returning what we have defrauded or 
by turning from sinful lifestyle and walking in a way that honors the Lord. And Jesus says, I am here to repair all that you have broken. That you might have a right relationship with God once again. No matter the gravity of your breach of faith. No matter the sinfulness of the sin that we've committed. Jesus says, I repair that breach in full. Turn to me, trust in me. And have a right relationship with God and a right relationship with your neighbors. God demands compensation for a breach of faith. And Jesus has made the compensation for you and me in full. Trust him and walk in a way that honors the things of God and the people of God that bring honor to God's name. Let us pray. Father, we do commend ourselves to you. And Lord, I especially pray today for those of us here that, that may be struggling with money issues, struggling with sexual immorality, struggling with having a break in relationship with a fellow believer because of a deception and many other ways that we might break faith with you and with one another today. And I pray, Lord, that you would direct us uh, to Jesus where there is full repair. We pray this in his name. Amen. If you would take your hymnals and turn to hymn number 565, All for Jesus, let us stand.